A lot of church growth advice today focuses on the need for a social media presence or the building aesthetics or uh, things like music styles. And following these growth gurus will more than likely put warm bodies in the church pews or the church chairs. But the ultimate goal of gospel ministry is not just to fill a building or to put more people in front of a preacher. The goal of gospel ministry is to impact eternity. It is very possible and probably happens a lot more than we realize to be numerically successful in ministry, to have a building crammed with people, to be able to build large and new buildings, to garner large donations, to become a household word in contemporary Christianity, and yet to have zero impact on eternity. It doesn't take very many months to go by before we see some megachurch pastor scandalized by some horrible sin and his ministry comes crashing and burning to the ground, or at least his influence does, those men lost the blessing of God on their ministry long before they ever were scandalized by their sin. They had the approval of men and they had the applause of the crowd, but they did not have the blessing of God on their ministry. And even though we would see their ministry and the world would see their ministry as thriving, perhaps we would use the word to describe, successful. And while they could fill auditoriums and they could peddle books, it was all works of the flesh. Wood, hay, and stubble that will burn up on judgment day when God fixes his holy gaze on their works. This is why preachers need the Holy Spirit in their ministry. As believers, we have the indwelling spirit. But as preachers, we need the indwelling spirit to be an influencing spirit on our preaching and those that hear our preaching. Spurgeon said, to us as ministers, the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. Without him, our office is a mere name. We claim no priesthood over and above that which belongs to every child of God, but we are the successors of those who in olden times, were moved of God to declare His word, to testify against transgression, and to lead His cause. Unless we have the spirit of the prophets resting upon us, the mantle which we wear is nothing but a rough garment to deceive. We ought to be driven forth with abhorrence from the society of honest men for daring to speak in the name of the Lord if the spirit of God rests not upon us. Spurgeon discusses the need of the Holy Spirit in the preacher's ministry in his chapter titled, The Holy Spirit in Connection with Our Ministry, in his classic book, Lectures to My Students. In this chapter, Spurgeon approaches this subject along two lines by asking two questions. In what way do we need the Holy Spirit's help in our preaching? And... How can we lose the Holy Spirit's assistance? Now, Spurgeon in this chapter, it's a long chapter, longer than some of his others, that's for sure. But in the chapter, he gives us eight ways the Holy Spirit helps the preacher 
in his preaching ministry. I will not get through all of these today. This will probably be a two-part video. Number one, we need the Spirit of God to give us knowledge as we study. The Spirit's help is to be sought, uh, not because we don't want to study, but we need the Spirit's help simply because we do study. Spurgeon warned, habitually to come into the pulpit unprepared is unpardonable presumption. So we don't live all the week lazy and uh, undisciplined. We don't procrastinate on our studies and put it off and put it off until we have no time to prepare for Sunday sermons and then go to God and cry out for help. That is not what Spurgeon means. He means we need to cry out for God's help even as we study. We need the Spirit of God to give us knowledge so that as we look to God's Word and as we open the commentaries and as we study the original languages that there is not only the filling up of our minds but also the Spirit filling up our spirits with the truths of God's Word. And so Spurgeon encourages us to seek the Spirit's help in our sermon preparation. He said, It is in our study work, in that blessed labor when we are alone with the book before us, that we need the help of the Holy Spirit. He holds the key of the heavenly treasury and can enrich us beyond conception. He has the clue of the most labyrinthine doctrine and can lead us in the way of truth. He can break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron and give to us the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. If you study the original, consult the commentaries, and meditate deeply. Yet if you neglect to cry mightily unto the Spirit of God, your study will not profit you. Secondly, we need the Spirit of God to give us wisdom to help us use our knowledge to the glory of God and to the good of His people. Spurgeon explains, Knowledge may be dangerous if unaccompanied with wisdom, which is the art of rightly using what we know. This wisdom is needed to keep the preacher balanced, to keep us from over-emphasizing certain doctrines above and beyond other doctrines, to know when we're doing evangelistic work or dealing with people one-on-one, -on -one, exactly how to help them with what we know about God's Word. Everybody's different. And you'll notice in Scripture that when Jesus witnesses to different people, He uses different means and different methods. He doesn't have a canned presentation of the gospel, and neither did the apostles, and neither do God's preachers who have the Spirit of God upon them. Number three, we need the Holy Spirit, as Spurgeon said, as the live coal from off the altar, touching our lips so that when we have knowledge and wisdom to select the fitting portion of truth, we may enjoy freedom of utterance when we come to deliver it. The Spirit's influence helps us as we preach, not just as we study, but while we are actually in the pulpit preaching. The Spirit helps us choose the right words and prevents us from saying the wrong things. How many of us have opened our mouths and said something from the pulpit that we wish we could go back and erase in, in the, the memories of our hearers? That's why we need the Spirit of God to help us discern what should be said and what should not be said from the pulpit. We need this liberty in the pulpit 
which only the Spirit of God can give us preachers. And if you've ever had that liberty, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Spurgeon described it this way. The divine spirit will sometimes work upon us so as to bear us completely out of ourselves. From the beginning of the sermon to the end, we might at such times say, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Everything has been forgotten but the one all-engrossing subject in hand. If I were forbidden to enter heaven, but were permitted to select my state for all eternity, I should choose to be as I sometimes feel in preaching the gospel. Heaven is foreshadowed in such a state. The mind shut out from all disturbing influences, adoring the majestic and consciously present God, every faculty aroused and joyously excited to its utmost capability, all the thoughts and powers of the soul joyously occupied in contemplating the glory of the Lord and extolling to listening crowds the beloved of our soul, and all the while the purest conceivable benevolence towards one's fellow creatures, urging the heart to plead with them on God's behalf. What state of mind can rival this? You see, to be under the Spirit's influence while we preach is very much heaven on earth. And until you experience it as a preacher, it's just really hard to describe. But we need the Spirit of God in our preaching and in our ministries. That's all for this episode. Be sure to come back next week, Lord willing, uh, for part two of the Holy Spirit's connection to our ministry. Goodbye, everybody.